Amen. Thank you, guys. Give it up for the band today, by the way. Getting here early, getting ready. I got to get set up here real quick. Here we go. All right. There's a lot going on on this stage this morning. There we go. Perfect. All right. Ecclesiastes 1. Here we go. Um, If you're like, why in the world are we doing this book? What does this have to do with anything? There's three things that every person deals with and can relate to. So I want you to think about which one or ones of these three you relate to. Here's the first one. In uh, 2016, there was a word that became an official word in the dictionary. Up until that point, it was not recognized as an official word, but in 2016, official word, that word is YOLO, all right? And if you know what that is, you only live once, okay? And I went on a deep dive this week as I wasted a lot of time, and I found that the first usage of that word, does anyone want to guess when it was, the year? No, 1993, all right? A little later than that. 1993, the first usage was found of the word YOLO, okay? Um, But it was made popular by our good friend, the rapper Drake, in 2011. And in a song, he says YOLO, that's the motto, okay? That's his line. And the idea is it captures this idea, right? That we have a limited time on earth, So we want to make the most of it, okay? Everybody wants their life to count. Everybody wants to live a life without regrets, okay? We live in a culture that is obsessed with success, okay? We want to make it count. You only live once, so you've got to max out your time. And I want you to think about that. That's the first thing everybody deals with, this idea of success. How do I max out my life? How do I make it count, okay? How do you do that? Think about that. Like when you think about how do you actually do that, how would you answer that? What about just this school year? Like if you don't even think about your life, you just think about this school year that you're about to embark on. What does it look like to make it count, to not have regrets, to live it to the fullest? You only live once. You're only going to have freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year once. What does that look like? The second thing that we all deal with and we can all relate to is, is this. There's a, another song, okay, less uh, explicit, by Thomas Rhett the country artist. It's called 16. I don't know if you've heard this song before, but the chorus goes, um, the the line is basically, I'll be right where I want to be when what? Do you know the line? When I'm 16. So he's 15. He's looking at 16. He's like, man, once I can finally get my car and drive, I'll be right where I want to be. How many of you feel that? Okay. You're like, man, that day I get my license, I get my car, I'm free from my parents. They're not going to know when I'm with my girlfriend or boyfriend. I'll tell them I'm studying or something like that. But have y'all done that? Okay. That's what Thomas Rhett's thinking about. All right. He's like, I'll be right where I want to be when I'm 16. And then the next line later on in the song, you know what he says? He goes, man, I'll be right where I want to be when I'm 18. Like 16, 17 wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But when I'm 18, okay, that's when things are going to change. I'm a legal adult. I have more responsibility. I can go to college. Like when I'm 18, things will be great. But then he keeps going and he keeps going. And the next chorus says, hey, I'll, I'll be right where I want to be when what? What do you think? When I'm 21. Okay, the day I'm 21, like that's a big deal. That changes things. I can, I can get everything I want right when I'm 21. You see how this goes? 
Okay, but we do the same thing. Like, we have the same thing. Like, man, when I'm 16, get my license, it'll be good. Okay, when I'm 18, go to college, it'll be great. Okay, when I get that first job, everything's going to be great. Okay, well, when I get that other job, everything's going to be great. Um, when I meet the one, okay, everything's going to be great. And then when I get that house, but then I got to move into this neighborhood, and then I'm going to have kids, and I got to get them to do the exact same thing, and then I die, all right? That's ba- and then they're going to do it. They're going to do the same thing. And so I would call this dissatisfaction. The second thing is dissatisfaction. It's the song's really a funny way of capturing a common experience that we all have, which is looking ahead to the next thing, looking ahead to the next thing, looking ahead to the next thing. I think we can all relate to that, can't we, to some degree? Okay, the third thing is this. I, uh, I had multiple conversations over the past uh, three weeks with people in high school that it was some version of a conversation of they were, they were going through something really hard and so they asked the question, um, why is God letting this happen to me? Have you ever asked that in your life? Like you've had something really hard happen and you've been like, well, God is good. God is loving. Like I'm, I know I'm a sinner, but like I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not like killing people or anything like that. And why would God let this happen to you? Like, God, why would you do this? For some of you, you might even be here today and you're doubting that there even is a God because of things that you've gone through. Okay, I had a conversation with someone very recently. He's not in the room, but he, he said that. He was like, I, I have been angry at God saying, God, why are you letting this happen to me? So what do we do when life doesn't make sense? And we ask, um, God, why are you letting this happen to me? So success, dissatisfaction, and suffering are all things that we deal with every single day in different ways. And if you haven't, we're going to. And so I just want you to think about which one of those or all of them do you relate to in your life? Success, dissatisfaction, and uh, suffering. See, this is where the book of Ecclesiastes comes in, is it is going to be an answer to these three things. It's going to address the problem of success. It's going to address when we're dissatisfied. Then it's going to address when we ask the question, God, why are you letting this happen? Okay, I'm calling this series Searching for God Knows What, and you'll find out more later because we, like the guy that wrote it, are on a search for something. And sometimes we don't even know what we're on a search for, but God knows what we're on a search for. And that's what we're going to talk about in the series. Ecclesiastes, if you look in your Bible, it is in the, the poetic or wisdom section of your Bible. There are five wisdom books. You know what they are? Psalms is a wisdom book. It's, a song, it's, a, it's poetry of worshiping God and applying a relationship with him in any experience. Proverbs is a book of how to live wisely in the world. The third one is the book of Job, which is a guy that suffered. So how do you deal with extreme suffering? Song of Solomon. Oh, Song of Solomon. Maybe we'll do a series on it one day. I don't know. It is a biblical celebration of God's design for sex in the context of a marriage relationship. And so that's in there. So who knows? Maybe we'll throw that up there one of these days. And then there's Ecclesiastes, okay? Um, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I'm going to show you why. It is one of the most confusing books in the Bible. It is a puzzling book. Some people say it's the most depressing book in the Bible. The guy who baptized me says it's the most hopeful book in the Bible. And when we start reading it, you're going to be like, what? How in the world is this the most hopeful book in the Bible? What I'm going to show you is that Solomon is doing something and you just got to hang tight. Okay, so you ready? 
All right, you're for your fault because some of you nodded. So here we go. Ecclesiastes 1. We're just going to read a few verses, talk about it, read a few verses, talk about it. And that's basically what we're going to do. So here we go. Verse 1. Um, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So the word there, preacher, is kaheleth. What it means is it's someone who is collecting wisdom and sharing it with people. So it's somebody who's gone and collected a bunch of wisdom and he's going to share it. Now, son of David, king in Jerusalem, I already said it. Does anyone know who that's talking about? It's talking about Solomon. That's who this is talking about. He was the son of David. He was the king in Jerusalem. There's a lot of other evidence throughout Ecclesiastes that he's the one who wrote it. Sometimes people doubt it, but there's enough evidence to know that Solomon wrote it. So if you're like, what do you know about Solomon? Who's the guy that's going to take us on this journey over the next 10 weeks? He's the wealthiest, wisest, most knowledgeable, most indulged man on earth. Okay, so the things that Solomon's about to tell us about success, dissatisfaction, and suffering, okay, if, if it's true for him, it's going to be true for us. If he can't find meaning in life and, and enjoyment and, uh, and happiness under the sun, then none of us are going to be able to because none of us has the resources, the power, the possibilities that Solomon did. And what most people think is that Solomon is writing this it, towards the end of his life as he is reflecting on his life. Okay, in 1 Kings 3, if you don't know much about Solomon, he, he, there's this famous story, and God's like, hey, I'll give you anything you want. Does anyone know what he asked for? He asked for wisdom of all things. So God gives him wisdom, but he also gives him success. So this is what I want you to think of, and we're going to talk about this more next week. Okay, let this blow your mind. He had 700 wives. Okay, 700. Um, that's a lot. That's stressful. That's a lot of women. Um, and then 300 concubines. So that's like loose women that he's just kind of doing whatever he wants with. That's 1,000 women that he's in a relationship with. So if you are like, man, I get all the guys and girls at school, compared to him, you, you, you don't have much to be proud of. You know what I mean? Like he, he went for it. And we're going to talk about that next week. And you might be like, wait a minute. He asked for wisdom. That doesn't sound very wise to me to live like that. Well, ultimately his downfall is that he doesn't live according to the wisdom that he's given, especially in this area of relationships with women, but we're going to talk about that more later, okay? Now, think about this. He has the looks of a guy like Ryan Gosling, okay? That's how he looks. Um, he is well-dressed like a Peter Millar or like a Lulu model, all right? And if you're like, that sounds like you made that up. No, Jesus actually says it. In Matthew 6, Jesus says Solomon was well-dressed in splendor, okay? Um, he has the money of Elon Musk. If you're like, wait, really? Yeah, he is still noted by secular sources as one of the wealthiest men to ever live. There are some secular sources that would actually say he's number one, okay? He crashed the silver market, this is more next week, in his own kingdom because he had so much silver that it became as worthless as rocks, okay? That's how rich this guy was. Um, he created pools to water his gardens, and those pools were so big that they're still there today. Like, you can still go visit the pools that he used to water his garden. How crazy is that? Okay, he has the power of the president. So he's powerful. He's wealthy. He looks good. He's got all of these women around him. He had everything. All right? And so what he's going to do, and it's crazy this is in the Bible. God let him do this. He's going to use all of his resources, resources, which I love you, but I'm just going to be honest, you are never going to have, and I am never going to have, He's going to use his resources to run an experiment to try to find out what will actually make him happy. That's what he's doing. He's going to max out all of his resources and he's going to try to see, 
I'm going to run this experiment. I'm going to figure out where can I find meaning, happiness, and significance, okay? And so that's what we're going to do for the next 10 weeks is we're going to look at his experiment. We're going to look at what he found. Now, the first 14 verses, which we're doing today, you're like, you just did one. Like, are you serious? It's not going to take that long. The first 14 verses are a summary of what Solomon discovered in his experiment. So first verse, verse two, this is like the big conclusion and it's really happy. It's going to make you really feel great inside. So here it is. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. If you're like, well, what is vanity? That sounds like an important word given it takes up like half the verse. Uh, what does that even mean? Uh, some translations in your Bible are going to use the word meaningless. Okay, now that's not the best translation. It also isn't as poetic because if I'm like meaningless of meaninglessness, is, I don't even know how you'd say that, but that doesn't sound as good. Okay, but the word is he- as hebel. Okay, it's like a vapor, it's like a mist, it's like a puff of wind or smoke. Okay, so think about a puff of wind or a puff of smoke in the air. Okay, um, we're going to talk about kind of what that is in a, in a second, but he says, he, he talks about in verse 3, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils, where under the sun. So Solomon's experience under the sun, he's talking about this broken, fallen world that we live in. And he realizes that there's something that's hard to admit when he observes everything. He says everything's meaningless. It's vanity. It's, a, it's like a puff of air. Okay, now why does he say that? He says that there's really two reasons if you think about what a puff of air is, what a mist is. One is it's, it's short. Okay, have you ever seen like smoke in the air kind of disintegrate? It doesn't last for a long time. And so what Solomon realizes is that, hey, life is actually really short. He's reflecting as an old man. He's like, it goes by way faster than you think it's going to go by. Okay, the second thing is it's elusive. Okay, if you try to grab smoke, you're going to look like an idiot. Okay, you're not going to be able to get it. You're trying to grab something that is elusive. Okay, you can't grasp it. So he's saying, hey, finding something that's lasting, that's significant, is elusive. And so this question right here, what does man gain by everything that he does, how hard he works, what he does, Every single day, at the end of the day, what does he gain? And so he's asking this question, at the end of my life, what is going to go with me and what is not going to go with me? Okay, now I don't know how many of you have moved in your lifetime. I know you just did. And so when you move, you have to play this game. I've moved way too much over the past few years. I'm about to move again. And when you move, um, you basically have to play this game of like, what do I want to take with me? And what do I not, right? Like you go through your stuff and you're like throwing that away, keeping that. And if you're like me, I keep way too much stuff. I'm like, I might need the old Backstreet Boys album from 1996 that I got. Like, I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to show you. These are three things that I found when I was going through my, my stuff. And I literally still have these, okay? So I'll show you these. Um, the first one is, this is an award I won at Highland Park Middle School, 2004. It's the Principal's Award, Okay. I don't know what it is for. I don't remember getting it, but I won the Principal's Award in 2004 at Highland Park Middle School. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I won that. I still have this. Don't really know why. And uh, this one, I found this. This is FIFA 08, okay? I don't have an Xbox, um, but FIFA 08. So I have it. It's uh, Ronaldinho is on the cover. It's kind of cool. And then this, Gunner, you'll like this. This is my, uh, my Team USA hockey jersey from when I was, I think, in sixth grade. Okay, United States, we had an Olympic theme, and look at that right there. My name's on the back, all right? And you got the stop, because they don't want you checking someone in the back. 
So I still have this jersey. We, we think we medaled, but I, we didn't win the tournament. Uh, we, we didn't represent our country well, but that's okay. So the, the thing is, is like when I move, I'm like, do I really need this? Like, do I need the 2004? Like why through every move I've gone through has this survived? Like, I don't know. Why through every move do I still have this? Like, am I like, maybe I'll play FIFA 08 again one day. Like, I don't even know um, why I have this. And so the question is, like, is this stuff really important? And what Solomon is realizing is he's, we're playing the same game every single day. Is every single day we're playing this game of is this really important? Because when I die, am I actually going to take this with me? And what he's realizing is that a lot of the things he's spending his time on, that he's keeping, that he's protecting, are things that are not going to go with him. It's not going to profit him anything. Okay, there's a, sorry to quote him twice, there's another Drake song that I've quoted before, and in it he says, when I die, put my money in the grave. And I want you to think about that, that when Drake dies, imagine driving by his gravestone and just seeing a bunch of hundreds taped to it, right? What good is that going to do him in that moment? It's not going to do him any good. It doesn't gain him anything. That's what Solomon's saying. See, he knows what he's talking about. It's very relevant. Okay, now why is this the case? Verse uh, 4, he's going to keep going. Um, Verse 4 to 7, he's going to make the same point right here. Do we have the next verses? Verse 4 to 7. Okay, this is what he says. He says, hey, let me tell you what I've observed as I've studied life. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Okay, track with me here. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Like Solomon, what are you talking about? Okay, what's he describing? It's like this, it's almost like putting you to sleep, isn't it? It's like this hip, what do you call it? Hip, hip, that thing. That's what he's doing. It's like this rhythm of this, this, there's this process that if you think about it, like we live, generation goes, generation comes. We live, we die. People before us live, they died. But there's this process in the world that keeps going on and on and on. And so what he's realizing is that life is short and life is repetitive. Okay, people all run this race, they get their turn, then they die, and then new people come and they run this race and they die. And our busyness often distracts us from realizing this. They were a part of just kind of running on the same treadmill that life just continues and continues and continues. We live, we die, next people do it. And he's observing that that's a reality and there's a problem with that. The problem is that we are all stuck in a routine that will not be remembered and it doesn't profit us. That's what he's getting at, is that we're stuck in a routine that will not be remembered and that it doesn't profit us. So you're just like, Solomon, like, do you just need a hug? Like, he sounds miserable, doesn't he? Okay, why are we even talking about this book? Okay, well, I'll keep showing you. In verse 8, this is what he observes, and I think this is so relevant for where we are today. Watch this. He says, all things are full of weariness. That's kind of sad. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Okay, so what his perspective is, is that in the midst of this world, it's this same repetitive cycle, okay? Humans long to come across something that is new, that is meaningful, and significant, but we never do. We never end up doing it. And what we do 
Okay, we're not satisfied with seeing. We're not satisfied with hearing because what has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it said, see, this is new. It's already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. So what's he saying? He's like, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. So we're like, no, 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 Solomon, there is stuff new under the sun. Like there's this cool iPhone, right? They, 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 we, this didn't exist. And Solomon would say, it's technology, it's communication. It's always existed. It's a new form, but it's basically the same concept as people for years have explored technology and communication. Be like, well, Solomon, here's the deal. Mine has this cool thing where like I look at it and it reads my face to open it. It's like, that's called security. Security's existed for years. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. And if you think about it, what he's getting at is that man tries the same stuff in every generation to try to find significance in meeting. And what we do is we try to deceive ourselves into thinking that new stuff, new relationships, new experiences, more income will satisfy us. And he's saying it doesn't do it. We're doing the same thing that other people have done. And in the end, it doesn't make us happy. And then he says, hey, there's no remembrance of former things. This one's extra happy. When I uh, land in New York City, that's where my sister lives. You land at LaGuardia is the airport we fly into. You get in a cab or you get in the, the Uber and you start going. Okay, the, like one of the first things that I always see whenever I go uh, to New York and I land, I start driving. Does anyone know what it is? Huge graveyards, gigantic graveyards. Okay, it's kind of creepy. Like you drive by it and it's like, okay, a lot of dead people, like right over there. It's very creepy, okay? And what, what happens is that every time I've been there, um, the same thing is true. There's, no, there's nobody there. Nobody's there. That I drive by every time when I'm there, and there's just tons of people that have lived the experience that we've had, right? And they're just sitting there. And a lot of times when people teach Ecclesiastes, the question they'll ask is this. Um, how many of you know your great-grandparents' name? Okay, like raise your hand if you know your great-grandparents. Okay, what about your great-great-grandparents? Okay, okay, look how many hands are up, right? That's your own family, right? Like that's not even that far. And we don't even know their names, right? And this is what Solomon is saying is that way down the line, like we're gonna be forgotten. Like we're gonna live life and that's what's gonna happen, okay? See, a lot of people are like, man, I wanna leave a legacy. But the reality is, is that everything that we're building, everything worldly that we're living for, in the end is going to fall apart. That these things are not gonna last forever. And he's saying no matter how much we labor at them, it's not gonna satisfy us, it's not gonna last forever. We are running on a treadmill. And a lot of times we don't have any idea of why we're doing it because we're so busy. All right now in high school today, what does this look like? I'll give you two things. I think it looks like um, pleasures and people. I think one of the ways we seek to try to find meaning in something new in the midst of the routine of daily life is we look for pleasures and people. So that can look like what we do on weekends. Okay, a lot of times people are like, man, I'm just having fun. But it's like, no, Solomon would say, actually what you're doing is you're attempting to find meaning in pleasure for yourself to try to escape the repetitiveness of life, okay? For some of us, it's people. We want to get people's approval and for them to affirm us because we believe that when we have the validation of people, that's gonna give us a feeling of significance, okay? It's like, well, how does he know all this stuff? That's like, that's like pretty intense to just throw that out there, right? Okay, this is verse 12 through 14, and this will take us to the end. 
Um, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, a striving after the wind. Okay, so this is what he's going to do, and he says it here. He applies his heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. So this is what he's going to do. I want you to remember this. He is going to apply his five senses to the six main human experiences that we all seek meaning for under the sun. All right, the five senses to the six main human experiences. Here they are, wealth, power, religion, okay, not Christianity, religion, friends and relationships, work and pleasure. He is going to pursue those six things with his five senses. Those are the six things under the sun that we often seek to find meaning in. And he's going to test it. He's going to see if it works. And ultimately where he's going to get to is he's going to say, hey, you can look for it anywhere under the sun. I had more resources than anyone else, okay? But you're not going to find it. I've experienced more pleasure, achievement, and status than any of us. And he's saying it's not going to work. There's a, a movie that came out. It was about Elvis. It's pretty recent. I didn't see it. You saw it, Emily? I didn't see it. But he had, I know that in the story, he had a lot of fame. He was one of the most famous people to live. But he also had a, a prescription drug addiction because he was battling a lot of things while he was doing it. And he was exhausted. He was exhausted trying to keep these performances going. And in one rare moment of honesty in the movie, he shares with someone that the thing that was driving him to live this way was he was afraid of not being remembered when he was gone. Okay, that's what Solomon's talking about, isn't it? That deep down, we have a fear of not having meaning, of not having this affirmation. Okay, for me, it wasn't like Elvis, but when I was in eighth grade, I remember... Um, I got invited finally, like a, I wasn't like a popular kid, but me and a friend, we got invited to go to this movie one time with the popular group in eighth grade. And I remember seeing that movie. And I was like, I've made it. I've made it. This is awesome. And then I remember I went home, went to sleep and it just, it was empty. Like it, it didn't last. It was fleeting, right? It was like grabbing the wind. Okay. I remember sophomore year, I was playing football in high school and I was, I was seeking meaning through that. And football is great. Sports are great, but um, it, it can become an ultimate thing. I injured my ankle in practice, okay? And I, I didn't play the rest of it. It was fleeting, all right? Um, senior year, remember I got invited to the cool highlights group, all right? Finally gotten with all the cool girls and all that. And it was the same thing as eighth grade. I remember it was fun. I went home and it was fleeting. It didn't last. And this is what Solomon's talking about, is that this is an experience that a lot of us have. Now, if you're like, wow, well, that's really depressing. Like, is that it? Like, is that what it's all about? Um, yeah, that's it. We're done. I'm just kidding. Solomon's up to something. He's trying to do something, okay? He wants to achieve something. He's trying to show us something, and here's the truth, and I'm just going to hint at this today and the rest of the series. We're going to go into it, but I want you to hear me when I say this last part just for the last few minutes. Is it Ecclesiastes is asking questions that the rest of the Bible answers, Okay, there's this key phrase he keeps using. Do you see what it is? It's under the sun, under heaven. He keeps talking about under the sun. So I want to show you this illustration. I kind of want to end with this. Then I'll, I'll say a few things at the end. Is This is something that has been done before. You, this is a very well-known illustration. So I stole it. If anyone else uses it, they stole it. 
Some of you have even said that you've seen this before, so we can just acknowledge all that. I'm kind of doing it a different way, but I want to grab this here, okay? I've got this rope. This paper's going to fall off, okay? I found this rope today, which is, we have a lot of weird stuff behind the stage. All right, so this, this rope, I want you to see it um, as like a timeline, basically, okay? So I know a lot of you have seen this before. This isn't going to be the same thing you've probably heard, but this is it. Like, you've got like the beginning of history, down here, um, you keep going. You've got like George Washington. Shout out to George. Um, I actually am related to him. Not bragging, I just am. And then Abraham Lincoln, Civil War. Like, was that before? That was after. So I'm, I don't know my history. Um, and then you just keep going. And then this is this dot right here, the big green dot. That's your life. All right. So you live here. So this is where you are on the whole timeline. Okay. And what Solomon is saying is that what a lot of us do, the temptation that we do is all we do is focus on this dot right here. Like all we do is live life under the sun, okay? All we do is focus on trying to maximize meaning and pleasure right here. And so what Solomon's trying to do is he's examining the green dot and he's saying, I'm going to tell you it's, you're not gonna find meaning. You can do everything you want right here under the sun. You're not gonna find it. So what is he trying to do? If, he, if we're realizing that under the sun, we're not going to find it, you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to get us to zoom out and look beyond the sun. That's what Solomon is up to. Um, C.S. Lewis says, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And what Solomon's saying is that the, your, your desires are not going to be satisfied in this world, you were made for another world. So what he's going to do is he's going to say, I can use my five senses to find meaning, but I'm not going to find it. There's a sixth sense that I need. There's a sixth sense, and it's the only way to find meaning. And the sixth sense is faith. Faith is the sixth sense, and it allows us to go beyond the sun. See, what we need is we need something from beyond the sun to come and break the cycle of meaninglessness under the sun. And in Jesus, that's exactly what we have. In John 1, I'm not going to read all, but we have John 1, uh, 1 through 5, and then verse 14 up here. It says that in the beginning, the Word was the Word. The Word was God. With God, the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. And what's cool is that the, the word word in Greek, it can also be translated to mean meaning, that the meaning of everything was with God in the beginning. And in verse 14, look what happens. That which was beyond the sun, okay, became flesh and he dwelt among us. That something from beyond the sun came under the sun to live and die for people that can't find meaning under the sun. And in John 10, 10, this is what Jesus says. He says, for people like you and me who are struggling to find meaning under the sun, Okay, I think we have it up here. He says that I, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So this is what's cool, is that he did not come to share truth about where to find meaning. He came to give it as a gift to people who can't find it. Okay, truth then and meaning, it's not found in a proposition. It's found in a person. And this is what's amazing is Jesus had everything that we search for. He had more than Solomon could ever dream of having, yet he left it all to die on a cross. Why? So that sinners like you and me can have real wealth, real honor, real love, and real meaning. You don't have to search for it anymore. The search can be over. 
You don't have to search for it under the sun because Jesus has given it to you beyond the sun. Without him, we'll keep searching for it. So I want to end with this. Is uh, What does this have to do with us today, this week? Uh, many of us are trying to repeat Solomon's experiment. Like every day, a lot of us are trying to repeat his experiment. We are trying to build our life, our self-worth, and meaning on things other than God. We've taken good things, then we've made them ultimate things. Okay, why do you think so many people in Dallas go to church, Bible studies, ministries, but their lives look like everyone else? This is why. Because we're repeating the experiment that Solomon's reading. I have one of my best friends from high school. Um, he followed Jesus in high school. He went into college and he repeated the experiment in crazy ways. I got into some, some really crazy stuff. And one day he was lost because he found out this is not meaningful. This is not satisfying me. He opens up his Bible. You know what book he opens to? He opens to Ecclesiastes and he started reading it. And he calls me and he goes, this is true because I'm living it. And I'm telling you, Solomon, I don't know who this guy is. I'm like trying to figure all this Christianity stuff out, but I'm telling you this is true because I did this thing he's talking about and it didn't make me happy. And God used it to show him that when you honestly evaluate your life like Solomon did, most people don't do that. But when you honestly evaluate your life, you'll be ready to develop the sixth sense of faith in Jesus. And you'll see that everything you're looking for is found in him. That's what we're going to talk about over the next 10 weeks.